welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Shredded Ed, Cardio Johnny, Paul C, Matt Mork Super Troll, and Brazil Hadley. The best infotainment show around where you'll hear us joke, banter, and debunk all the nutritional myths you've heard time and time again, helping you get fit, healthy, and shredded. Morning. Morning, morning. Morning. Three voices. So we have Matthew Morgan, Paul C, and uh, who's now going to be known just as Shred. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could live up to the name, but I really don't right now. <laughs> yeah, shredded it was too long. We just thought we'd shorten it to shred. Is he now? Oh, sorry. That's not what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Taking that tone well, already. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, oh, yeah, never mind. Uh, I, I pulled out the who's the longest in the shower joke on somebody and they didn't get it. And I think it was you, wasn't it, Ed? I'm sure it was. One of those podcasts I asked you about who's the longest in the shower. Um, and you, just, you were talking about, oh, it's got to be someone because they've got long hair and it takes time to watch. <laughs> Zoom straight over my head, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I meant to bring that up, actually. I forgot. So I'm glad I remembered. Nice. So um, let's have a little update from everyone. So, uh, Master Morgan, what have you been doing? <sighs> Not a lot, to be honest. Pretty boring in my own life, but um, yeah, been busy with obviously nutrition made easier, going well. The Lifelong Lean Project, uh, the August intake of flying, that's some really cool feedback from that. Um, and yeah, just starting the September one now, so people seem to be doing well, enjoying it, can't complain. Personal life, yeah, still bulking, still eating pizza, still having an occasional beer, so not all bad. Uh, Probably a little mini cut, mini cut coming up in a few weeks. So we'll see how that goes, and I'm sure I'll be a little bit more grumpier on the podcast when that comes round. Grumpier yeah. than normal. <laughs> well, I am the old man of the group, even though that technically Paul is the old man of the group. He's, he's young at heart, Paul. I am young at heart. Young at heart, old in old in age. Yeah, he's, he's got he's got some some good people around him keeping him young. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only reason why you let me come on, because I'll lower the average age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ed, you're out. We need to get like a, a 19-year-old just to bring the lower average age down again. <laughs> or have that, we'll just drop Paul and the age drops immediately, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, Paul. That's true. Sorry, Paul. A large lump of it. What's, uh, what's been going on in your life then, Paul? What's happening? Well, I'm enjoying my six weeks holidays, because I obviously, at the moment, work full-time in education so i get to have nice long breaks so i'm uh yeah, yeah. do you, do you yeah. literally like i've always wondered this and i've never known do you literally do nothing for those six weeks as in no i know you don't do nothing but do you do no work related to teaching or is there anything no. you have to do nothing at all no. sounds like hell do, do you not know, have like do you not have like stuff to mark or no you work, yeah. no well i suppose <laughs> you work in there yeah I yeah yeah, I suppose my I my role obviously isn't so based around the uh, children at the school at the moment. But so no, no, I don't. I just get time to myself. And that must must be nice. It is. Yeah, six weeks of I could do with that. Yeah, yeah. I could I could do with that as well. A couple of weeks at Christmas, a couple of weeks over Easter. It's win win. And you have to yeah. do no marking, so life yeah. of luxury. How you been, Ed? Yeah, what's going on, Ed? Um, I'm good. Um, I, in kind of my personal life, I'm still balking. Um, Still looking for a woman. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) single single ladies. Uh, Email into no nonsense nutrition podcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, pictures please as well. God. <laughs> not naked ones, not ones. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, a bit soon to ask for that. Isn't Ed, moving to, isn't Ed moving to Bondi? Isn't that what I heard? Getting, <laughs> right, a, getting a stable. Yeah. Yeah, I, I went over. They weren't as good as he said, so I came back to our lovely British ladies. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, no, I'm, uh, yeah, balking, just taking on my own nutrition. So I'm having a little break from my coach for a few months. Um, and just playing with my own stuff, see what happens. Um, I'll probably get fat, start crying every woman, day. Mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, probably get fat, start crying, never go to the gym, um, and have to and be crawling back. But we'll see how it goes. 
Um, yeah, business-wise is really good. Just doing my four-week challenge at the moment, and um, everybody's losing weight that's uh, taking part. So that's always good. Um, yeah. So life. Yeah, good. That, that 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 free challenge is good. You added me the other day, and it's loads of interaction. People getting results, learning. Um, some really cool questions. That's yeah, and it's really, free, and it's free. Yeah. So make sure make sure you post links in the show notes, mate, and uh, obviously for lifelong lean project as well. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, cool. What about you, Brizzle? Talk to us. Um, well, today it's my birthday. Of course, happy birthday, so, mate. Thank you. So I'm grinding in that grind life. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So things are all right. Things are just going well. Just our, um are there burgers planned for the day or? Um, well, I had a slight conundrum because obviously um, I don't have a coach. Uh, so I've been coaching myself and it's kind of like, well, what do I do? Do I do I kind of stay? Because obviously in a minute I'm kind of as that exactly midway through a mini cup. So, um, and that's gone pretty well. So I've dropped quite a good amount of weight in that time so far and feel a lot, lot tighter and a lot tightened up, which is nice because obviously at the end of it, you know, I'm going to Croatia for a few days with the boys on a stag do, so I'm going to want to look good in a pair of uh, budgie smugglers. Um, so I was kind of like, well, birthday doesn't fall on the best time, but you know, I want to stay true to my uh, moderate and no-nonsense self and not be one of these douchebags that like, I'm going to die until my birthday. So I use the term douchebag, it's a bit harsh. If you die on your birthday, you're not really a douchebag, but... So uh, I'll, I don't know what to do. I'll probably end up just eating at maintenance or just seeing how it goes, really. So so there might be burgers is to the long-winded answer to your question. Definitely pancakes, though. So we've already said we're going to go for pancakes this morning. So Because uh, I do love nice. pancakes. And Sounds there's a place, there's a place in Norwich that does the best pancakes. So if anyone from Norwich is listening to this, Cafe 33, go get the pancakes because they are incredible. Um, or just check out my IG later because I'm sure it'll be all over Instagram. I'll probably do as many pictures as I can. How's the little one? And, yeah. I just missed it. No, no, I missed it. No, she's awesome. So, uh, yeah, I managed to get, like, she was up at this morning about half past five. And you talk about easy dad life, Paul. Ain't that easy, mate. She's up at half five. And I sat there with an hour for about an hour just kind of give her some birthday cuddles. So, or she gave me birthday cuddles. So, lovely. Good start to the yeah. day, then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. So, today we wanted to just kind of quickly bust what we consider sort of, well, top four, I don't know if you can say top four or not, but top four common nutritional myths, because I'm going to call it top four, because everything's got to have a title, and it's every <coughs> number in it, you know, like your top 10 fat-burning foods and top four nutritional myths. So um, why can't I see Matt? You can, mate. Uh, oh, I can see me, back, I can see you, yeah, I'm here. Back. Yeah, yeah so I, was, I don't know, did you, did you um, turn your camera off rather than mute, mate? Might have done. Yeah, I think you Classic did. Morgan. <laughs> Classic Morgan. You need we haven't pizza. paid homage to Matt's lovely T-shirt he's wearing either. Oh, I yeah. That. Oh, yeah. Those oh, who, I say, those who are listening and rather than watching, mm. a lovely Lifelong Lean Project Nutrition Made Easier T-shirt on. I know, mate. Getting a um, point with branding. I say, where can people buy these, mate? Not, not available for sale <laughs> yet, but we're, uh, we're road testing first. <laughs> But the idea is actually that anyone who signs up will get one eventually, I think. They look good. Yeah, they're all right. Not too I'm bad. Sure, I'm sure it'd be nice to wrap it in the gym. Well, obviously, yeah. I'm going to have to get Johnny sent some. You, you boys will be getting some of the posts shortly, I'd imagine. Why not? Why not? Oh, yeah, why not? Just cool. Live in it. I'll live in it for you. Thank you, mate. <laughs> Just don't turn it inside out. <laughs> Hashtag inside joke. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Matthew, I'm going to come to you first. So, quite often we get asked, are you allowed to eat after six? Because obviously eating after six causes fat gain. So, uh, I'll let you loose. Far away. Yeah, this is a good one. Like, and it's probably something I've done myself when, like, very early, early, early days when I was a bit chunkier, shall we say. Um, people say you can't eat after six because, you know, you're going to be out of bed and you won't burn fat, etc., etc. Like, if you just, <laughs> regardless of the evidence, and I'm happy to post studies and links to stuff like that, but if you think about it, what mechanism will make you gain weight all of a sudden at six o'clock? Um, there's no reason your body's going, oh, you know what, you know, six o one, time to time to gain some weight. Like, so anything we eat now, we're going to store as fat. 
just doesn't work that way. Um, I think probably where this myth kind of perpetuates from is if you tell someone to, you know, restrict calories in any way form. So like I could I could totally change it and say, you know, you can't eat before one. Like eat before one, it gets stored as fat. It, the same thing's going to happen, right? If you restrict the calorie window or the, the eating window, people eat less. Um, so ergo, they lose weight. It happened with someone at work. They stopped eating after six and automatically they didn't snack. You know what it's like when you're on a sofa, you, you grab some saurine, maybe just me, cereal or mateys if you pull. Um, yeah, I know, I've seen that enough. Um, that, all that gets cut out because you're not allowed to eat after six. So you, you, you're just reducing your calories. So rather than worrying about the time, you can you can unrestrict your calories or you, there's no harm in implementing it, but just know there's no magical or scientific reason that, you know, you hit six and all of a sudden your body wants to store fat. Um, the things to bear in mind are, you know, if you are weighing yourself frequently, so if you weigh yourself daily or whatever, or you are weighing yourself the next day, the later you eat, the heavier you will be because um, you can hold that food in your, um, kind of your body and your tract, stuff like that. So it's not going to, you're not gonna have gained weight. You're just holding more uh, of the food that you've consumed um, because you've eaten later. And so that later you eat, you may weigh a bit more. But if you weigh yourself a few hours later, I'm sure that would have dropped off, provided you haven't eaten again in the morning. Um, which is why, sorry, no, but why weighing daily is quite good because you can see the peaks and troughs, and you can build up a kind of a, a trend rather than just a once a week weighing or something like that. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, there's no no magic to it. There's nothing fancy. You're just restricting calories one way or the other. Um, and like I said, you could change that around any way you want. So like big fan of intermittent fasting. Um, you can say, Oh, don't eat anything for one because it will store its fat. That's a lie, but you will reduce your calories and ergo because you reduce your calories, you will start to lose weight. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you boys got anything to add to that myth. I think, um, not kind of science adding, but just kind of a bit of like a practical example. Um, obviously got the name Shredded Ed because I got shredded and uh, I ate my last meal of the day normally between 9 and 10 at night and then I went to bed at like 12, half 12 um, and I still got lean <laughs> and I, every every night I was eating at that, that, late, that late period when people would say, oh, don't eat before you go to bed because it's just going to sit there and, and not get burnt. Um, well, I think I've, I've disproved that pretty easily by eating late at night every night. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. I still do now. I have, like, less than I used to because I think I've got a bit smarter with my timing for other reasons, but not not for a fat loss reason. But I used to have probably, like, 1,000 calories before bed every night because that used to just suit my preference. And I was still getting leaner, losing weight. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of people would benefit <clears> from setting up their day. And not everyone, because everyone's different. But like a lot of people I've dealt with would benefit from having like, I guess the carb carb backloading, if you want to put a fancy term on it. But it, it basically is a saving calories in the day. Like you have a skip breakfast, or have a light breakfast, or like maybe just have a black coffee. Then for lunch, you have just a small meal, um, something fairly high in protein. But low in calories, three, four hundred calories, whatever it may be, depends on your calorie allowance. But you know, like maybe twenty five percent of your calories for lunch, and that leaves you a lot of calories the evening because the evening is where most people I find go off track. Because, like I said, you have dinner, so mm-hmm. six, seven o'clock. Most people, um, I tend to have it around about that time anyway. And then you've got a few hours. Well, if you're me, you're probably in bed in about an hour later. But most people go to bed three, four hours later, and they've got time to get hungry to sit on the sofa boredom can kick in and watching tv you just want something to snack on and that's where the damage is done because you if you've got no calories to use and you snack you kind of think oh you know i've started i'm gonna have everything whereas if you've got you know saved a big chunk of your calories for the evening um you can have a, a, a fairly nice meal like a large meal which is what most people like it can be social um carb dense because it can help with sleep sometimes but also you've got a few hundred calories left after that that if you want a snack, you can have it, right? Um, so again, it's just mucking around with timing, but that's a situation where you could be in a lot more after six and it would be better for your fat loss goals. 
I think it's a good yeah. way of uh, implementing restriction without having to track calories. So, like, I mean, tracking calories isn't for everybody. Um, and it's just, like you've just said, it's a really good way of just implementing a, a, an eating window that could bring about some restriction. Um, yeah, so you're just kind of saying, right, okay, well, we're only going to eat within these times and we're not going to eat crazy. Um, and a lot of people would probably find some benefit from doing that. So, yeah, yeah. Might, might... go on. I was going to say, I might actually put some people in a calorie deficit. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Cool, Brizzle. I think we're going to go with Ed next. What's, what's Ed? So um, this is one I have been asked about a lot more recently than I have before, but it's something that I used to believe, um, and for no reason other than Somebody who I looked up to told me it was true, and uh, and I believe them. So mine's going to be on starvation mode. Um, uh, yeah, it really annoys me that I, I believe this because, like, the kind of the points that I'm going to very kind of observational points, and obviously there's a lot of science to it as well, uh, to why it doesn't exist. Starvation mode isn't really a th- well, it kind of is and isn't a thing. It's not a thing in the way that people think. Um, and yeah, it just it just annoyed me that I believe this. So starvation mode is one of those things where uh, people get told. So it tends to be, I, I never really hear of examples in females. It always seems to be in males. Uh, sorry, in the other way around, sorry. I never seem to hear them too much in males, more about females being in them. And it's basically if you go in, you, your calories go too low and you're exercising too much, your body goes into starvation mode to help you um, not die and uh, you start storing fat instead of burning it because your body gets smart and clever um, and decides that it's going to yeah save these calories and that's not it, it's not overly true in that sense but it kind of it is in a, um, a way that your body slows down so we talked about neat before and kind of like your non-exercise uh, activity thermogenesis and that's basically moving around fidgeting anything that's not particularly exercise or um yeah and, and this is it basically burns calories um moving around yeah anything that burns calories moving around and basically your body starts to slow down doing that so you're um you get lazy, you sit down, time passes. Like we spoke about this on, on the dieting podcast. Um, so if you haven't listened to that, go listen to that after this. Um, yeah, so you basically just get slow. You get um, kind of lazy. Uh, your body doesn't move and flap about as much. And this is just your body's way of reserving energy. Um, so, uh, yeah, and that's kind of what your body does when you get very low on calories, especially if you've been dieting for quite a long time and you're starting to get quite lean. Um, you, you just you slow down and that's kind of your body just reserving calories because it doesn't like being in such a steep calorie deficit. Um, yeah, uh, and that's kind of, that is what starvation mode is when we see that, when people are on very low calories and they're doing a lot of exercise. Um, and then when people increase their calories, or they don't do as much exercise, they um, essentially have more energy and the body's happier, so they move around more, so then they end up doing more activity, um, so they end up burning more calories, essentially, um, because they're moving yeah. more because they've got more energy. Um, so I think, I th- I'll just, sorry, mate, I don't, I don't mean to do that, but I think um, starvation mode, obviously, you were saying doesn't exist, but I think what you are saying in that there are some adaptations that occur because you're not feeding your body enough energy. Yeah. So that, that's the bit sometimes where I think people get their head a bit um, unscrewed because it's kind of, they can't quite understand all oh, if it doesn't exist. Why are you telling me this stuff happens? So I don't know if it's worth maybe exploring that little, a little bit. Sorry, say it again. So it, I'm saying it doesn't exist, but it does exist. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. I, I think because I, th- I think that's the bit where people get that. Like I say, people get confused with it because like starvation mode clearly doesn't exist. Because I mean, all you've got to do is look at third world countries and famine and to see that well, they're not putting on weight or you know. Yeah, I think that I think a really good like modern anecdote for that is, um, and I've used it a few times with clients is like, go and watch the island with Bear Grylls. Go and watch the first series because all the others have been rubbish. 
the first series is excellent. But basically, those guys were. Uh, it was yeah, it was guys in the first series were chucked on an island um, with just some basic survival tools and were supposed to fend for themselves. And they struggled for the first three or four weeks to find food. They had some water, um, but they they couldn't find food. They were finding very low calorie foods, um, oh. and they weren't getting enough calories daily. What happened, and even the doctor says it on on the show, was you're not getting enough calories you're rapidly losing weight and some of the guys on there dropped three to four stone in like a matter of weeks because they're not eating so that's what happens when you don't eat you you rapidly lose weight and it's not a good place to be by any means um i think you know you kind of alluded that to danger that in well, a previous podcast but that does demonstrate that you know starvation mode doesn't exist you don't suddenly say you don't see a load of people suddenly not eat for weeks and then put on loads of weight do you um, where's that weight so, coming from where's the where the calories coming from store is fat like yeah um, uh, but the example I always use is look at bodybuilders if that's true then how do bodybuilders get so shredded because surely their body would get to a certain point where it goes nope 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 you can lower the calories all you want you can do all the cardio but we're going to start putting on weight again now <laughs> like it doesn't doesn't happen yeah. um, and, a, and, a, and a bit of a, a tangent to that I guess but we obviously work predominantly with women but we see that with you know if you go too low calorie and you do too much cardio, what can happen is you'll be losing fat, but you're creating so much stress that you tend to hold water. So that will mask fat loss for a while. Yeah. Um, and then you'll see it drop off in large amounts. And at that point, like you alluded to, sometimes bumping people's calories up can mean that they start to move more. They're less stressed. Um, they just the water. Fidget, fidget more. Yeah. They, they drop the water as well. I mean, and some coaches sell that as a magic you know, they, this whole reverse dieting thing. So people interpret reverse dieting as many different things. But the original one was like slowly increasing your metabolism by adding food in, which is a ridiculous thing. It doesn't, it's not that. It's just the fact you start to move more, um, less stress, stuff like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's like a slight tangent, but yeah. you know, that's and why adding calories can help. I think the point I want to just highlight or just kind of highlight to the listeners was that although obviously starvation mode doesn't exist, like I say, there are some adaptations that being aware of can help you control. So things like you're saying, not moving as much, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I was going to go into that. Did, yeah. Yeah. Crack on there, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a bit I was going to say next. What, what I was going to say first was um, kind of, I think the biggest myth of starvation mode is that your metabolism slows down and that you start to um, process food slower and, and all that. And that's what people think starvation mode is. And I think that's the biggest myth is thinking that your actual metabolism slows down, which just isn't, isn't really true at all. Um, it's a case of that your, your body slows down, which use, which requires less calories. So you, you, so you're storing more. If you, if you slow down that much, you could potentially take yourself out of that deficit you've been in. Um, or like Mike said, you could be holding water from stress and things like that. And when we say that, it's kind of, um, it's, it's uh, subcutaneous water. So it kind of sort of, it's not so much like muscle glycogen water and things like that. Cause obviously you're not eating the carbs to, to store with that. Um, and it's something that you can see like massive when people drop like seven or eight pounds in a week. Um, it's most likely because of water and not because all of a sudden you found the magic pill which is going to make you lose loads of fat and it's seven or eight pounds of fat um you suddenly burnt twenty five thousand calories <laughs> in a day <laughs> yeah um so kind of what brett was starting to, to edge towards them was kind of mechanisms that we can incorporate in our sort of daily routine to uh, combat this and to stop this kind of happening and it's things like step counts so these sometimes get like a bit of a slating sometimes and saying, oh, why are we doing steps? It's, like, it's just it's just a good way of keeping you active throughout the day. So if you have a step count of 8,000 steps and that's your minimum count for the day, then if you do over 8,000 steps every day, then you're in, going to be in a good place. But if one day you suddenly do 1,000 steps instead of 8,000 steps, like that could be somewhere like 500 calories you haven't burnt that day. And that is enough to take you out of a deficit and put you in a surplus, um, obviously depending on how big of a deficit you're in. Um, so this is why things kind of, you know, mo monitoring that activity output, whether it be monitoring your exercise or monitoring your steps, um, monitoring time you spent moving around, walking around. Um, yeah, it, it, it all helps create the bigger picture and the more factors that we try and control, um, whether you, you're 
consciously saying, right, I need to um, record all this and I need to track it all. Like, so that's a bit too much for some people. But just being aware of flicking at your watch at four o'clock and saying, right, okay, well, I've only done 1,000 steps today. Maybe I should go for a walk before or after dinner. Um, you know, that could be enough to, to help somebody out just to make sure you go over a minimum amount of steps. And I know it's something I set for all my clients, whether they have a Fitbit, an Apple Watch, or just an app on the phone, keeping it in the phone in the pocket all the time wearing a pedometer, um, something like that. I try and encourage all of them to do it, especially when dieting, um, just to keep that output going so they don't slow down. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think, again, a slight tangent, but tangents are good, right? Um, Martin loves a tangent. You love (laughs) it. I do love a tangent. They're useful, right? But like, if you've got one of those things, you can keep stuff consistent. So if you're keeping your steps consistent and you're keeping your, you know, you I wouldn't worry about trying to track your gym sessions with a Fitbit or anything like that. Just know that you're doing three sessions a week or four sessions a week. You'll know the volume. We're talking, you know, for gym pop stuff, you, if you're training three times a week or four times a week, you're going to be burning roughly about the same calories. So don't worry about that, but keep the number of gym sessions consistent. So your steps consistent, gym consistent, your calories consistent. So monitor your calorie intake. Then you've got a real good, those three things are good things to work from when you want to, you know, if you plateau and stop losing weight, you can adjust those things because you're keeping them consistent. If they're all over the place, you don't know where your baseline is and you've got nothing to adjust from. Um, so, yeah, just like what Ed said about the steps, like if you start dieting, you're doing 8,000 on average, look at Fitbit and look at where your average is and then hit your average every day. And then you know that if you stop losing weight or you plateau, then you can add some more steps in. So, like, you know, even a 1,000 steps can put you back into a deficit and get you through that plateau. Um, yeah, I, I like I like how you said don't track your gym sessions because you know let's be honest you don't differ too much in that half an hour hour or whatever type of training you might be doing. Um, but yeah, definitely the step thing that can differ quite a lot because I think Ed you mentioned obviously a, a minute ago about how you might look at your Fitbit one day and realise you haven't moved a lot today. That happens quite a lot because you can easily do five ten thousand on one day and only have done a thousand by five pm the next. So I think that's why tracking it's quite a good thing because it will just prompt you to think, actually, I will just go for a walk because I hadn't realised I've just sat and worked at my desk all day. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you work from home as well. Like I know days when I'm in the shop, I'm hitting 10, 12,000 steps, depending if I go to the gym as well. Um, if I'm working from home, like I legit do about 700 steps if I don't leave the house. Um, yeah, and obviously unless you live in like absolute mansion. Um <laughs> But we don't all have that luxury. Um, like, like Morgan. <laughs> yeah. Hey, come on, mate. I'm in London. It's a, it's a two-bed semi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Wales. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Johnny, you mentioned. You just don't. You just don't do as many if you work from home, or maybe you're a. Um, you're a, a housewife or something like that. You you're looking after the kids. Um, that's what you do, isn't it, Brett? You you're a housewife. Um, yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, you might not move much. Maybe you move a bit more if you've got kids because you're running around tidying up after them. But um, yeah, it, it's really easily done. And I used, I did a like a little live call with um, my four week challenge in the week, and this was a question that was asked. And uh, I just said, well, you know, imagine if you're you you're walking to your car, which is like fifty steps. You get in your car, you drive to work, and you walk to your office or your desk. That's like hundred steps. And then you go to the kettle three times, you go to get your lunch once, and you go to the toilet twice, and then you walk back to your car, you go home, you sit on the sofa all night, that's like 500 steps easy. Like You're not going to be doing much, and if you're sat at your desk all day, you're barely moving. So um, Yeah, it's a good point, right? So you know those people, you, you kind of want you to understand this, you, you, you totally get it, but the, people will say, oh, I don't know how you can eat that, like you must have a really fast metabolism. But if you take those people that are saying that and the people that are eating uh, anything off Brizzle's Instagram, for example, um, if you put a Fitbit on them, I, I can guarantee that the person or any any tracker, and, and, you know, no preference here, <laughs> <laughs> I always seem to bias, but if you put a track on any of those people, then I can guarantee almost that the person who is able to m- be lean and have a, a fairly high calorie intake or on the face of it have a fairly high, high calorie intake is, is moving around a lot more and it's those people naturally move a lot around more because they always have or what it may be they may walk to work um or whatever it is but they are the ones that move and the ones that 
struggle somewhat is because they don't necessarily get up and move as much. Um, I didn't really, when I was, you know, when I first started, I didn't really think walking would make such a big difference, but it has an incredible, incredible, like, uh, impact on the amount of calories you can consume and, you know, your fat loss goals as well. Like, walking's been one of the best things I ever added and so many people mock it as a, as a fat loss tool, but really, it's a great thing to get people doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, oh, I had a great point then. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, so look at people who fidget a lot. You know, the people who, like, twitch their knees, they're always shaking, and you, they wind you up. Um, guarantee most of those people, like, as a sweeping statement, are slimmer people. Um, you'll never see big big Marjorie in the office twitching her knee and flapping her arms about a lot. Um Oh, mate, we're gonna get sued by Big Marjorie in the office now. <laughs> Sorry, Marge. <laughs> uh, but just just as a sweeping statement, you know, fidgets. And I remember when I was very first told about this by like a top American researcher, who's uh, I think it was James Krieger was going on about it. And um, as he was saying it, there was this stick thin guy on the uh, front row whose knees were going like crazy. I thought he was going to take off. Um, and it just like proved the example perfectly. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously fidgeting is not going to burn like thousands of calories a day, but I think it's just a, a, a sign of that. They're obviously a, a, one of these types of people like Matt, Matt alluded to, that they are generally just someone who moves probably a lot. You fidget a lot. You're probably someone that kind of constantly moving, walking around and all the things that does burn a lot of calories. So. Cool. I think we've uh, done that one, haven't we? So, Paul, you're going to talk, you're going to talk about uh, how you implement all these tricks to stoke your metabolism. Yeah, actually, yeah. So it was also a question in the Nutrition Made Easier uh, page from one of Matt's lovely, yeah. ladies, lovely ladies. That's a Free group on Facebook, you can just find Nutrition yeah. Made Easier. Yeah, all the free advice. Plug there. Quite the community. It's a great community. It is. Um, yeah, so basically it was along the lines of eating three to five small meals and that stokes your metabolism, that sort of say myth. But um, the simplest answer around it is that if you're, I guess hitting your caloric need so if you say you had 1800 calories which was putting you in a deficit it wouldn't make much difference how many meals you split that up into as opposed to preference um as long as you're hitting 1800 over the day or the energy balance over the day then it doesn't matter how many meals that's split up into you could eat it all in one you could eat it in three three 600 meal or 600 calorie meals you can split it any way you want because it's at the end of the day, energy balance is going to come out as the main overriding factor. So the sort of we kind of, I suppose, alluded to it on the previous question with the metabolism of Ed saying, <laughs> I just brought his dog in. Um, Standard. The, uh, your metab metabolism um, being stoked is just. But it's kind of came from, I, I kind of first heard of it from sort of old big bodybuilding friends, I suppose. Um, I, think, I think it's also a bit the whole, um, it does kind of cross over a little bit, I suppose, and Matt's a bit around timing as well in that, you know, eat breakfast like a king and dinner like a pauper and that stuff. Because obviously, if you eat a large meal in the morning, your metabolism's on fire all day. Yeah, I think, like... The effect of food, like in terms of calorie burn, is in relation to the amount of calories you consume, right? So, you have a smaller meal, you burn a small amount of calories throughout the day. You have a bigger meal, and the, the calorie burn as a result of that is larger. But if you have one big meal versus six smaller meals, it doesn't affect the um, the kind of you know it doesn't affect your metabolism in the way that people allude to. There, no, there are there are there are some considerations, right? Which is MPS, which is not really relevant for Jen Pop or anyone who's probably listens to this podcast, but for those looking to gain the maximum amount of muscle, then you know, splitting your protein settings up potentially could help, but it's minor minor difference, right? And it's you're better off eating to your preference and finding something that you can 
stick to consistently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like exactly like sort of. So for myself, I tend not to have breakfast. There are times when I might not get a chance to grab lunch. So the bulk of my calories, I am going to be eating sort of later in the day past five o'clock, which isn't always optimal. But that's just the way that life rolls out. But for someone that might sort of, especially when dieting, might um, struggle through or struggle on lower calories, if you split your meals up so that you're having regular sort of feedings, that's going to make your diet easier to stick to for that person. Whereas other people can just sort of, um, like myself, just sort of inadvertently intermittent fast and just sort of eat later on because I'm busy throughout the day and I don't really think of food or get that hungry. Mm -hmm. So it is, it just kind of is, works out sort of personal preference, making the sort of diet easier for yourself. Is it just to kind of put it into the content thing? Because you you alluded or you did talk about it a, a minute ago. So, like, if you're on 1,800 calories for the day, to say to say that's what your target is. So, obviously, yeah. some people would say eating three lots of 600 calories um, is not as good as eating six lots of 300 calories. Got an A level in maths as well, and I got it right. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, because eating smaller meals, but more often will increase the amount of calories you then burn through the day. Now, we know that's not true, right? Because I yeah. think, like, like Matt said, you, you burn the equivalent amount of calories depending upon, obviously, the macronutrient composition and the amount of calories that you're eating. So if you're eating the same, but just spread out over time, you just burn less, but more often, which then equals the same, as in burning yeah. more, but less often. So over the day, again, if you're still eating that, that same amount of calories, the energy balance is still the same, and you, do, you therefore your metabolism is still the same. Yeah. So if imagine you have ten pound to spend, and you spend two pound fifty four times, or you spend five pound twice at the shop, you've still spent ten pound. Mm. Whatever way you go about it, yeah. it's just, you, don't, you don't you don't suddenly get a huge overdraft just because you spent it in small amounts and you're more savvy no. with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> savvy with your shopping um yeah so basically it's just yeah that's what it kind of comes down to it's your preference over your meal times and how much if you struggle make it smaller eat, eat more regularly so that you yeah. don't feel like you're starving yourself all day yeah i am um, i don't actually have any evidence on this and matt you're really putting me off mate going for your fridge <laughs> i wonder what it's gonna do <laughs> We should do a feature. What's in Matt's fridge? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm making a coffee with milk. So it just happens to be that the camera's at groin level. It is, yeah, it is early, so mate, you're allowed a coffee. Also, is that skim milk? It's not for me, but yes, that is it's Cravendale because I think Cravendale tastes better and lasts longer. Yeah, I agree. Filter, uh, filter it just yeah, it's a better milk all round. Um, yeah. Again, That's a tangent. That's a tangent. Cravendale, if you want to sponsor the podcast, by yeah, Cravendale, all, by all means, we go through tons of the stuff. Milk isn't, there's another myth, milk isn't bad for you. Right. But this isn't for me, I have my coffee black, it's for the missus before I'm in trouble for being on the podcast this early. Black coffee, yeah. All that, all that calcium. I was going to say, yeah. but the calcium in the milk's bad, right? <laughs> this is a massive tangent. Now we're talking about yeah. oxymoron vegans and calcium. And we're also talking about why, why Ed might be single still as he trolls single woman she's married I'm assuming she's, she's married no oh, she's she? married yeah yeah she's younger than me oh. but she's married uh, when's ever stopped anyone Ouch. i know. <laughs> uh, no right. she's she's uh, yeah she's she's a nice vegan though um i have a hundred percent lost train of thought from the point i was about to make about something so that bombed um <laughs> anyone remind me <laughs> Optimal meals and your maths A level. Yeah, I was saying something. No, that was ages ago. I was saying something before you opened your fridge. And that's like... (laughs) I think we're kind of... I think what needed to almost be said was the thermic effect of feeding. And um, so some people would say that uh, you burn more calories by your metabolism working more because you're eating more often. Where it's not a case. It's kind of like... Think of it as... um, every calorie that goes through your metabolism or your digestive system utilizes 
okay, let's just put a figure on it. So every every ten calories that this is completely false figures. This is just me making it up to make it easier to visualize. Um, every ten calories that goes through your um, digestive system and your stomach and, and all that jazz um, burns one calorie. So if you're eating three thousand calories, you're still burning the same amount of calories to process that than uh, you are if you had three thousand calories. You know, three thousand calories in one meal compared to ten meals, you're still burning the same because it takes one calorie to burn. 10 calories. Now that don't quote me on that figure because that figure is 1000% wrong, but it's just so you can visualize that. Yeah. Yeah. It just just um it's about 20% average depending upon cuz obviously the macronutrient composition i.e. protein, carbs and fat that is different. It takes a different amount of calories to obviously digest the food itself depending upon that, doesn't it? But I think you're pretty safe to say the average is about 20 15 to 20%, isn't it? Yeah, there we go. So I, so, I so 100 calories you you're probably talking 80 85 calories are actually used by the body the rest is used during digestion so so yeah and obviously like i said the, the proportion is the same regardless of whether you're doing one meal or a thousand meals i don't know yeah yeah, yeah. thousand two calorie meals wow that would be but it'd just be like what like a nut sweet yeah well not even a nut mate a nut's more than two calories right well true. Although i suppose might depend how big your hands are. <sighs> big hands. <laughs> um, yeah, it'd be, inside joke too. <laughs> it'd be like um, a couple of peas. Just exist off Tic Tacs. Yeah, yeah, two tic-tac. calories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, so, there you go. There you go. A thousand Tic Tacs. Yeah, that's not a bad diet. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should try it. <laughs> I've actually, I've actually thought of the point I was going to make though. The point I was going to make, and as I say, I have no evidence about this. Um, <laughs> but so purely anecdotal. I know we what we like to be evidence based, but we're gonna be the no evidence based. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god, Martin's gonna kill me. Uh, um, yeah, no, it's more the the fact that I think if you are dieting and hunger is an issue, I think sticking to slightly larger meals is a better strategy, in my opinion, than trying to go for smaller meals. And it is individual preference, so let's not blanket everybody with it. But I think for the majority of people, from my experience, would, would suit trying to have larger um, meals less, less often from a hunger perspective than they would do. Because obviously you kind of at least get that full feeling. And for most people, they can then suffer through to the next meal, um, if, if you want to use that word. I think if you're trying smaller meals, you just never really get that full feeling. I just think people then never really ever feel satisfied. So I've just found that, like again, personally and anecdotally from other people and people that I've, I've kind of obviously coached, that they've actually suffered or not suffered. They've actually done a lot better when having larger meals. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I think there's also that sort of um, you could go super bro, which is good. But it'd be a Tupperware, and if say you are going to work in your work your working week, if you make and you're tracking your food that you make if you make a large sort of meal you can great people it's good to graze on that i'm not saying it's good to graze on but it's quite makes it quite easy if you're at your desk and wherever you work you can graze on it through the day so if you have a large tupperware and it's just there you know that, that there's x amount in that tupperware you can graze on it through the day whenever so um, yeah yeah i think it's it's, that's a nice little that's a good way of doing things especially if you kind of you know you're not some people can't eat sit down and eat a full meal and they just snack on little bits throughout the day and that's a really really good method because obviously that's a bit more calorie controlled um you can say right okay i've got this big bucket of i don't know whatever you want to make um and tuna tuna, just a bucket of tuna um and you can pick at that all day and that's that's better than kind of you know a couple of biscuits here maybe a protein bar there and then like a few more biscuits and maybe a piece of fruit and like you just the calories soon mount up in snacks um yeah so that's a really really good point um and I was going to say, what's everybody's preference here when they're dieting? How do they prefer to eat or just in general? Um, I know myself, I eat four meals a day, like actual meals, and then one snack of a protein shake before bed. Um, but I prefer a heavy, high, higher calorie meal um, over like lots of fluffy, woofy volume meals. Um, yeah, I suppose in, in work, like I, I said, I'll probably eat the majority of my calories in the evening. But whilst I'm luckily in off, uh, obviously, as we said at the start, on holiday at the moment, I'll tend to probably eat um, 
breakfast if I fancy it, and then probably two or three meals throughout the day. And the odd bit of snack here, maybe. Mine's, mine's changed quite a lot over time, to be honest, because as I say, I used to save a huge amount of calories for bed. Um, just because as, as, uh, I, used to, I used to think I needed it. I used to think that I'd get to night time and I'd be struggling so much that I needed a thousand calories after already eating my dinner. So I wasn't even like that included dinner. That was dinner and then two hours later I needed a thousand calories for your bed. And I think over time I realised actually I am a bit, uh, it would be more beneficial to me to actually move some of those calories up during the day. So I do eat more during the day now than I used to. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of that is also just to kind of make sure that I'm fueling my training and stuff. Obviously, it's changed a bit more recently, so I think my current structure is a bit more. Um, thank you, Matt. The current structure is a bit more um, front loaded in the day, mainly because I'm now training in the mornings because I'm having to get my ass up out of bed at a very early time just to go to the gym because that's the only time I can do it with having a child. So um, obviously, I eat before then. I'll have some breakfast when I get to work. I used to have snacks during the day, but now I only have a main meal at lunch. Um, you know, four or five hundred calories. Typical Tupperware Tony of uh, chicken, broccoli, rice in a Tupperware tub. But I do enjoy it. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to lie. I do actually like it. And then I'll yeah. just have a meal. And then now I'm just having a much, much smaller snack at night time. So um, maybe only a couple hundred calories. It might even just be a protein bar and some sugar-free jelly. Something yeah. I'm dieting anyway. I think that's a good point. Like my dietary intake certainly changes if, like, I am trying to gain some some weight at the moment like i'll eat breakfast and i have a decent lunch and decent dinner if i'm cutting i can't go to bed hungry so yeah when i go into mini cut like breakfast is out that's just a black coffee straight away so no calories there might have a protein shake um or a protein water but they're a bit expensive just convenient though aren't they um yeah exactly brizzle and then lunch again if i'm cutting it'll be fairly light i'll have like a chicken salad or a quarter of a chicken with a ton of veg, so loads of volume, loads of veg, just to fill me up. Maybe a small snack, and then I'll have a large dinner and a protein snack before bed, just because I have to go to bed having eaten some carbs and, and not feeling hungry. I can't sleep if I'm hungry. Yeah. Cool. Have we, uh, I think we've done that one. Done yeah. that to because we love a tangent. We do love a tangent. Tangents, cool, well, tangents are good. Tangents are good learning. Right, so segue off to, uh, well, nice segue, Matt, if you would like to put your picture of your kind of, oh, nor vanilla zero, or Coca-Cola, is it not Max? I thought it was, oh, it's Pepsi Max, isn't it? Coca-Cola zero, yeah, sorry. Coca-Cola vanilla zero, the best the best drink in the world. Get my, get my brands mixed up. Coca doing um, the zero cherry now, aren't they? Uh, I'm not seen a fan. That. I've not, not tried it, yeah. I've seen them it's do not, it. It's not the same as Max. Coke cherry you can get in the sea. Coke vanilla is where life should be. That is life. Yeah. yeah. I do like Pepsi. I am a Pepsi Max man. I like the cherry and the ginger, though. Not do you like the, do you like the ginger. The ginger is different. I like the ginger. I think the best thing about Five Guys, actually, is uh, the, the fucking Coke machines. They're incredible. Like, f- flavours galore. You can mix and match. Like, I think the last time I went in, I had, like, uh, a cherry, vanilla, raspberry... <laughs> blueberry mix or something that sounds mad but actually it's really nice mate you sound like a five-year-old who doesn't know how to work the drinks machine when they I come was... back with <laughs> every flavor i was in the queue with other five-year-olds doing exactly that now that was quite frustrating actually because there was two 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 young girls in front of me i would guess at the age of about 12 um who had clearly never been to a five guys or seen those things before and i was getting pretty frustrated just thinking seriously just get your drink and move on because you've been about 10 minutes trying to pick what drink you want so oh, the God. um they have them in pizza hut and in harvesters as well i think is it the same machines? yeah yeah probably i don't i don't i'm, I'm not unfortunate enough to have a five guys too close to me so i, I haven't so really been we digress slightly um, back to a previous tangent, a tic-tac diet is not a good diet, but that's not what my point is. Uh, Bridget, what were you going to say about diet drinks? Yeah, what was I going to say about diet <laughs> drinks before we started talking about flavours? Um, I want to talk about the age uh myth that diet drinks are bad for you because they contain artificial sweeteners, and you'd be much better having a full-fat version, which seems to come about every year in the media. It came about yes, yesterday at work. I won't, I won't. Well, I call him Ronnie. His nickname. He said to me, um, to a colleague, "Oh, 
cracked open a can of Diet Coke, he's like, oh, that's worse for you than, than the uh, full fat stuff. Immediately, obviously, my ears, like, perked up, and I was over super, there. Super troll. So, no, in a friendly and educated manner. What the fuck did you just say? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> You're wrong. No. But, yeah, go on, go on, Brizzle, before we ruin your myth. No, yeah, no, exactly. It does pop up or, or crop up in the media a lot. Obviously, it's something that people seem to say a lot. And it's just one of those things I think people just take as gospel that diet drinks are bad for you, and that um, yeah, that you should drink the the full fat versions because they're better for you. So I think, well, how one like how many calories in a can of coke nowadays? Like 180 or something like that. Like you can quite easily consume, or a lot of people do, quite easily consume two or three of those a day. So straight away, it's sort of kind of five, 600 calories. Now, I don't see in any realms of um, logic where consuming that many calories is better for you than consuming a drink that pretty much contains zero, even just from you know a weight perspective. It's just, yeah. I, guess, I guess people don't believe in the calories. You know, they think calories are a myth and they don't believe, um, or they believe things that artificial sweeteners often cause the same responses. So I think someone once told me, oh yeah, artificial sweeteners cause an insulin response and insulin causes fat gain. And obviously it's kind of that, that scenario of where a little bit of knowledge can be a bit like dangerous. Um, not actually in a dangerous way because obviously what harms are really going to do, but just the fact that they sound like they know what they're talking about and clearly they don't. Um, so yeah, I just thought it was worth touching on because um, obviously one of the other things with artificial sweeteners is people see that they obviously kind of cause cancer Um I don't know, all, all manner of other diseases or, or risks involved. So we just thought we'd clear that one up. So um, I did do a little bit of research into this um, just to get some facts and figures because I always like facts and figures. Like I said, I, had, I have got an A-level in maths and I do have a very statistical brain. So, um, yeah, where did it come from? I think, I don't really know. I think we, we chatted before. I think we all know about the studies that, or some of the kind of the more highlighted studies where they studied rats um and they injected quite considerable amounts of aspartum directly into their brains um and there were some effects from that but like like we always say in the evidence-based community if they're done on rats are you a rat so is it that applicable to you so you normally kind of the if they're not done in humans then quite often they can be thrown out i mean i'm saying quite often not not always but quite often they can be because you just don't have the same mechanisms also do you inject aspartum directly into your brain and it was quite a large so. quantity as well, wasn't it? It wasn't like yeah, the huge, amount huge of amounts. normal can. Yeah, it, it was. It was something like I don't even know, but because this number may have completely um, kind of changed over Chinese whispers, almost. But it's uh, like I've heard, it's something like two hundred liters worth of coke would be the equivalent amount of um, sweetener or aspartum. So, you know, do you inject the equivalent amount of two hundred liters of coke into your brain, and are you a rat? It's kind of like no. So. That's why one of the main reasons straight away you could probably just say actually it's not a bad thing um, to be able to just consume a can of Coke every now and then. So uh, I don't think there's been any studies in humans, has there? I guess it's one of those things. The only it? studies that I know of um, are correlation studies, like where they stand outside yeah. of McDonald's and ask uh, obese people, like, have you just eaten burgers and uh, Diet Coke, uh, like yeah. a diet drink? And they go, yes. Yeah. And are you but at risk it, of cardiovascular disease? Yes. <laughs> oh, it must be the Coke. Yeah. Or is it the red meat? <laughs> oh, that's that a, one again. Oh, yeah. oh, dear. Oh, dear. No, exactly. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's tons of observational studies out there where correlation and causation get confused. So... And obviously that's it. It's kind of like the whole because because to be honest, you're right. Ed, that's actually a quite a good example because how many people do, and obviously I I do it, but how many people do go to a restaurant like that, like McDonald's or any other fast restaurant, say can I have a double, triple bacon cheese quad burger with extra large fries and a diet coke? It's like oh, it's a diet coke that's making me unhealthy. It's like mm, probably not. So I mean no. that, that is exactly what I do, but yeah. For different reasons, you do it because obviously you want the burger and fries. Oh, you yeah. don't want the, you don't want the damage of the extra calories in a full well, fat no, drink because that's more food I could have later, right? Exactly. I so, just see, uh, just see, it's a side point, but I just see drinking calories like drinks that contain calories as wasted food. Like you could be eating that, especially when you're dieting. That food is the difference between sticking to something or essentially going off. And I'd absolutely agree. So yeah, yeah. drinking calories not cool. Yeah, it's one of the biggest tips straight away about don't drink your calories because there's there are studies out there that show that 
liquid calories are not kind of almost recognized by the body in the same way as like solid foods for from a satiation perspective so from hunger so actually if you're drinking them you're not really doing yourself any favors um so like yeah i agree when you're dieting then you're probably best to stay away i do sometimes still have them but i absolutely weigh up the benefit of how much do i really want this and is it worth the calories because i know obviously the knock-on effect is going to be that's going to potentially mean I'm, I'm hungrier later on because i've used up calories on a on a liquid drink like a fancy starbucks yeah so, it's nice every now and then to get yourself one but like simple you know just get a, a skinny oh dear yeah. i suggest moving to skinny milk but yeah oh shane oh you ain't gonna like that mate it's still gonna make no difference anyway it does mean you have six coffees a day yeah it does mean you're drinking 14 liters of milk a day but 14 litres of latte but yeah um yeah i mean so just why are they safe well um was it the european food standards agency is that right not the, US, not the usda i think obviously the U, i think i'm sure it's the ufsd fda um, F, fda european i don't know whatever the regulation is I, I should have really researched this beforehand um they've uh cleared um, they obviously clear them or, or have done their own test studies based on the research, cleared an amount that is safe for general consumption. So um, I did have a look and the amount recommended for uh, safe consumption is 40 micrograms per day. So what does that mean? So if you're an 80 kilo male, which is just about I am, that is, equates to 3,200 micrograms of uh, aspartum a day. That's the equivalent of 29 cans of Coke. So unless you're drinking 29 cans of Coke a day, then I probably suggest you don't have too much to worry about in terms of the health risks of aspartum. Now, Matt, I know you're pretty close to doing 29 a day, so you might want to worry a little bit. But I think uh, if you, uh, I, drink, I drink a lot, and I'm actually trying to reduce that, not for calorie reasons or anything like that, just because teeth. Yeah, I say. You, you haven't you, you had like two things. cans in this podcast? <laughs> Paul, I've been up since 4 a.m. I'm grinding away here trying to. Jesus, Paul. Grinding. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. No, and, and I've, been, I think... I've been editing, editing Johnny's new uh, videos with his whiteboard. He loves his. Go check it out. If you haven't seen it, go look at Nutrition Made Easy page and Johnny's whiteboard. They're, uh, the first few were a bit of a laugh how he kind of got the camera lined up. So <laughs> yeah, he's very, very happy with himself. Yeah, third plug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think something also that I want to bring up was something I heard on Danny Lennon's uh, nutrition podcast. So as much as um, we don't, we know we want to be up in the charts, go listen because to be fair, he has some awesome guests on. Um, so we don't mind a little competition. It's all help about help, helping the community, isn't it? But basically, they were talking about how the food standards agencies apply safety factor. So that 29 cans a day already have a safety factor of 100 already applied so the actual amount they seem deemed safe for the majority of people is actually 100 times that so you could actually have 2900 cans of coke a day and probably still be safe um or in the safety limits it's just the, the safety factors applied more from a they could potentially be outliers so some people that might not be able to process the same amount so they apply this safety factor say so let's be honest if you're drinking even 29 cans a day, I still personally think that you've got other things to worry about than... More like than drowning. This. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Like a hyponatremia. I don't know if you can get that. You can, I suppose you can get that from Coke, can't you? Too much. Yeah. Too much water. Uh, I'd imagine so. I don't know. I don't tell it as gospel. Yeah. Or your bank balance. <laughs> yeah, or your bank balance, yeah. You'd yeah. have to have Unless... it like, hooked up to you, wouldn't you? Just a constant supply pouring in from... Like yeah. a massive. Oh, can you imagine that with Coke Zero? Well, to be fair, I mean, also, what's that? Ten liters, isn't it? Is it thirty times three thirty? Ten liters? I don't know if we do the maths. Yeah, I think it is. I'm sure it's. Oh no, that's my level maths. Is my fourth hell. Oh, it's only the, only the fourth time you mentioned A level maths. <laughs> just, just for anyone listening, A levels aren't important. No, I'm no, they're not. No, they're not. They're not important. That would be all. Not, the fact that I don't remember anything from it. And all right, I am old, you know. I'm one year old, actually. Not, not poor old, but yeah. Not poor old, but I am old. Um, yeah, I don't remember any of it, so it can't have been that important, could it? Um, yeah, I think we've... Have we done that? I think we've done yeah, that. Yeah, I think... So basically, it's safe. Uh, go and enjoy your birthday. Have some yeah. burgers. Yeah. Pancakes. I'll probably have a Diet Coke or something. I'm going to get on with my uh, my Saturday now. Might have another Diet Coke, Paul. Is that all right with you? 
Yeah, it's fine. I, I was going to say, I don't even I forget what day it is. You know, I'm not having any structure <laughs> oh, to my week anymore. That, that not working life. Yeah. A, yeah, I could get used to this. Yeah, don't. I feel <laughs> like maybe this is what every, like, PT on the beach with a laptop life must be like. It is. Bondi. <laughs> Except I'm not, I'm just in the kitchen. Yeah, if you're, if you're James, you're just skating around on your laptop doing this instead of yeah. sitting down. He's getting that meeting. Don't actually know any person that could work on a beach with a laptop. Have you ever tried to open a laptop on a beach? Just yeah, sand, you can't, you can't see anything. You can't see anything. You've got sun cream on your screen. It's just, well, yeah, you need something on your head. It's just, oh, it's just not good. It's not, it's not conducive. Um, Paul, uh, have you got the questions? Ask the quiz the coach. No. <laughs> right. Ed, Ed, push that button. I don't think I have. I think I've got the wrong diary. The wrong, my wrong notebook. Because <laughs> I didn't think we were doing that today. Well, spring on your last minute. Yeah, thanks for that. No, I don't. No, okay. Well, we'll save, we'll save that for next time. Ed, hit the button. Yeah, Ed, hit, hit the button. We'll, we'll, we'll end that there. It's a, it's a good one. <laughs> thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.